latest in the Bova News podcast series. I'm your host, Kim Bremer. The latest bull proofs are out, and we're going to take the opportunity today to talk about the results of those proofs and what changes may be on their way to enhance genetic evaluations. With me on the panel today are three esteemed experts, Ezekiel Nicolazzi with the Center for Dairy Cattle Breeding, Jay Weicker with NAAB, and Tom Lawler with Holstein Association USA. First off, let's start this discussion. Uh, Ezekiel, why don't you give us a recap of everything that happened during the most recent proof run? Well, there was a lot going on this run, um, planned and unplanned. The the plan changes that uh, we, we had uh, for April were the uh, a big change in the way that we use milk records in the evaluation. Uh, we started including, starting from April 2022 and going forward, um, a large number of milk-only records. And of course, that was accompanied by a number of changes in the in the parameters of how we use milk, fat, and protein in the evaluation. So that was, was expected. We did a full test run, and that was reviewed by our committees and approved for this run. Um, then there were a number of changes linked to type uh, on the minor breeds and the non-hosting breeds. Um, so there were some adjustments on Rampangle for Jersey that, of course, in a multiple trade had an, an, a series of effects on other trades. And also the composites were, were, were slightly modified in the, in, in the weights. So that had a, a certain impact on the merit. Um, other changes were linked to fertility. Uh, the, the main change was mainly focused on HCR, so heifer, heifer conception rate and, and cow conception rate. And uh, that was linked to uh, an edit to edit out uh, herds that were under-reporting embryo transfer because that had a, a, an impact, an unwanted impact on the, on the values on some high profile bulls. And also some minor changes in policies for data coming from abroad. Uh, that had minor minor impact on the evaluation. So, yeah, there was quite the number of changes going on. Um, that was, of course, accompanied by a, a, a series of changes that the public doesn't see on how we process data. Uh, so those were the the changes that we were um, we were uh, expecting uh, to happen. And of course, the the evaluations are are pretty unpredictable in the sense that there's a number of uh, of Things that happen during the evaluation of data, how, how data flows, that uh, can can surprise us and, and surprise the producer. So there were certainly one thing that came. Uh, we will probably talk about that later on. Was the uh, the proof of uh, number one proven bull uh, that that was pretty pretty high. So we will discuss that later. And of course the. Uh, the unexpected changes in, in type for Holstein that uh, also we will discuss that later. And uh, that was the cause of this reissue of, of the April run. So yeah, that's pretty broad summary of <laughs> all the excitement of this one. So was the reissue due to the amount of data that you're receiving in a proof period and the way that you receive it? No, well, the, the reissuing was because of a problem in the, in the data. We, we typically receive data from multiple sources, uh, both nationally and internationally. Um, in this case, the, there was a, an issue with the type data, the phenotypic data we received from, from hosting. And uh, Tom can probably explain that uh, better than me, but um, the, there was an issue with that, that record, those, those records. So that, of course, 
um, had an impact on the genomic evaluations that uh, that we calculate. Uh, just to make things clear, uh, CDCB doesn't calculate the type evaluations for hosting that is uh, done by Hosting USA. We receive those evaluations and then CDCB calculates the genomic evaluations on those animals. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a complex system and there's a lot of moving pieces. So, yep. Well, now you alluded to it, Ezekiel. The most asked about bull we've been hearing about is the number one TPI sire, Lionel. Uh, it's been reported that he has crossbred cross data added to his proof. Uh, how did this affect the proof, Tom? Um, well, the uh, bull, he was very high to begin with. And then uh, when he got this additional data, he became uh, extra high. And uh, what, a, what caught everybody's attention was that, uh, you know, he started off as a well-proven bull. So you have a certain expectation of how much a, uh, a bull will change when new daughter information comes along. And he is, uh, uh, he's right at the outer limits of uh, what, what's a normal expectation. So he did extremely well. Um, and because he turns out to be the number one bull, that caught everyone's uh, attention. So I, there was um, quite a bit of uh, early on investigation by uh, a number of people, uh, CDCB staff particularly, but then also uh, USDA. And um, I would say, you know, there's a number of, of things that we are looking at or a number of uh, uh, checks that you want to uh, make that the biggest concern is, you know, is there any type of uh, error or mistake that was done in the calculations? And it was uh, confirmed early on that there's no mistakes. Uh, everything was uh, working as uh, modeled and, and planned. Um, the exceptional part, other than him going up by a large amount, was that uh, uh, there was a, uh, a considerable amount of uh, crossbred data that came in from uh, uh, several uh, large herds. So you had a, uh, a large amount of crossbred data coming from a, a few, few herds. Um, and uh, that got people's attention. Uh, further investigation was made. And um, I would say that we're still, we're still investigating. I mean, that, that's the way that uh, this process uh, works. So we are suspicious of the crossbred data, but we certainly have not uh, pointing a finger at saying that is a problem. Um, and as I said, you know, he changed by a lot, but not by an unbelievable amount. In other words, he changed by enough to get everybody's attention. And, and uh, uh, you know, we measure things in uh, standard deviations. So, you know, he's uh, more than two standard deviations change. Uh, and uh, so he, he definitely warrants uh, further investigation, which, which is happening. So what impact does data from crossbreds have on a bull's TPI compared to if the da data was 100% Holstein? And does this also impact reliability? Has there been discussions about this? Um, so the, the reliability, yes. I mean, remember, well, don't, don't confuse reliability and accuracy. <laughs> so accuracy is, uh, do we get uh, the evaluations uh, uh, completely right? Reliability uh, reflects the uh, amount of information that you have to make your prediction. So given that there's a large number of crossbreds, it 
increased reliability. And uh, that's, that's really uh, uh, one of the uh, justifications for doing it is that uh, you have crossbred data out there. You don't want to ignore it because uh, people that use that information or have crossbreds would like to have information. And it has the ability to uh, increase the reliability of a bull's proof. Now, the key is that we have to guarantee that we are incorporating that, uh, that information correctly. In other words, the genetic evaluation is modeled uh, correctly. But then it also comes back to the data that's actually coming into our evaluation. So are all the crossbreds recorded uh, properly? Do we have pedigrees on the crossbreds to ensure that they are crossbreds and not straightbred Holsteins that just happen to be recorded as a crossbred? So I would say that uh, in addition to looking at our genetic evaluation model, we're also going back to the, uh, to the raw data, the source of, of the information, and uh, do some uh, validation or, or questioning to see if uh, the input data is, uh, if there's any problems there and, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe there'll be some need for some additional edits to, to guarantee that, but uh, it's too early to uh, say what, what will happen. But at the end of the day, you do see some, maybe some changes happening in protocols or edits to help prevent what happened this April from happening in the future? I, I do. I, I think, uh, you know, we look at this bull, we, I mean, this bull is a very good bull. So that, that's the comfort that uh, we all have in it is that uh, even if he's uh, um, slightly over-evaluated right now, he's uh, such a good bull that he should be uh, receiving attention and, and uh, people should be uh, using him in their, in their programs. So the question is, uh, you know, if he's over-evaluated, how do we uh, bring him down to, to, a more, uh, to a more accurate measure? We don't know what the accurate measure it is, but uh, yes, I, I would I would say that uh, uh, you know when you look at the genetic model, that seems appropriate. So um, my suspicion, which is just based upon a, a suspicion, is that it probably uh, reflects more on the data uh, and and the need for uh, better edits. Um, if I was to to guess, which is the business that I'm in <laughs> and the business that both I and Ezekiel in is, is to uh, confirm whether it's a good guess or a bad guess. So nothing will be done until we actually have uh, uh, scientific proof that uh, uh, we can improve the system by uh, incorporating edits. I'd be curious on everyone's thoughts as well on increasing the frequency of proofs. Do you think this would help? Why don't we start with Jay? Yeah, well, we've we've been talking about this uh, for the past few years, and the frequency of evaluations has been an ongoing uh, discussion, you know, over the decades. And we've we've gone through uh, a lot of different iterations of how frequently we do have proofs. But today, with um, the the amount of data that's coming in, with the value of the animals, both on the female and the male side and the investments that uh, producers and breeders are making in their breeding decisions, it's more important than ever that they have accurate and real-time information. 
And therefore, the, the more often you can update the information, incorporating new daughter information, both on production and type, putting in those new genomic evaluation uh, parameters or um, uh, SNP effects, the more accurate you can make those uh, evaluations and the quicker you can get that information back out to the, the, the owners so they can make uh, good decisions. So from that standpoint, uh, more frequent evaluations would be an advantage for the industry, uh, both for genetic progress and for those breeders that make have to make decisions uh, and big dollar decisions. Uh, well, I don't uh, necessarily believe that more uh, frequent evaluations is going to uh, make the system more accurate. Um, I mean, we do have, uh, uh, you know, the frequency right now is we have weekly evaluations, and then we have monthly evaluations, and then we have the full genetic update every every four months. So um, it's it's a matter of getting each of those uh, individual steps correct uh, and, and more more accurate. Ezekiel, anything to add? I think that both my uh, my colleagues said it said it completely. It's uh, it's a matter of uh, of getting the right amount of data out and to consider also the impact this will have on the whole system because um, NAB, of course, uh, looks at what the interests of, of studs have. Uh, Holstein, of course, looks at the, the Holstein producers. Um, CDCB has to consider you know, the impact on, on every single part of the system. So there's the data providers, there's the denominators, so people that just, you know, producers that just want their evaluations out as soon as possible. Uh, and also the evaluation as a whole, uh, the, the triannual evaluation that we call the, the, the genomic update, the genetic update, that has, it's, it's a big deal. It takes uh, a full month of a lot of people being involved around the clock, 24-7, <laughs> and making sure that everything works perfectly. And Tom is part of that. <laughs> and there's reviewers. There's a number of, uh, of activities that are, that are linked with that. So uh, accuracy is definitely the, the main goal. Uh, having more frequent evaluation could, could be probably beneficial in order to make you know, changes more gradual. Um, and there is uh, an act, a current task force uh, made by all four sectors in the industry uh, dedicated to that. Uh, the, the first step is reviewing all our policies for publication and distribution. And once that is completed, then we will discuss how and if we can we can proceed with that. And of course, in other countries, this is happening already, but no, not other country has the amount of data that US has. So it's, it's much easier to evaluate a, a breed that has 50,000 genotyped animals than <laughs> a whole system that had over 6 million genotypes involved. So uh, I saw that Tom was raising his hand, so probably he wanted to mention something else. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, not necessarily on the frequency of evaluation, but on, on this topic of uh, uh, the cross-brand information coming in and, and uh, uh, affecting the, uh, the top bull's uh, proof. So recently we had, I would be remiss if I did not bring up uh, our recent uh, Holstein Board of Directors meeting where they uh, discussed this topic. And uh, they did um, evaluate the pros and cons of having uh, cross information from a 
a purebred Holstein perspective. So as I mentioned, more information does increase the reliability, uh, but maybe not necessarily the accuracy. So they actually have uh, taken the position where their preference would be the removal of the crossbred information from the purebred evaluations. And uh, the, the belief is that that would uh, improve the, uh, the accuracy. So that is uh, a position that they um, are voicing. And of course, that will go to the, the council and uh, be reviewed. But that's all part of the editing. I think uh, we, we mentioned editing er earlier. So uh, the most amount of editing <laughs> you can do is to remove the crossbred uh, data entirely. And then uh, there's uh, uh, less restrictive uh, editing where you uh, look to see at, uh, you know, whether you have accurate uh, pedigree information, et cetera. Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because we see this in the Jersey breed with the JX prefix. And over time, producers have come to accept this. So do we foresee this happening with Holsteins as well? Yeah, I would say that, you know, uh, Holstein and Jersey has, has two different uh, philosophies. Uh, the Jerseys were very uh, uh, welcoming to an upgrading uh, program. Um, and uh, then they found the uh, need for changes to the genetic evaluations as, as uh, uh, more and more uh, crossbred data came in. The Holsteins does not have an upgrading program. Uh, in order to be a Holstein, you have to be a purebred Holstein. Uh, so we, um, yeah, and, and given the amount of uh, Holstein information that we have, you know, we, we definitely see that there are benefits to having a uh, purebred Holstein evaluation that would, uh, you know, eliminate any possibility of uh, uh, problems uh, incurring from including crossbred data. So it's really two different situations between uh, Jersey and, and Holstein. So what do you see as the timeline? Will this stay the same for August and will other sires have this data entered on them? Or do you foresee some of these changes getting implemented before then? Well, um, let me let me clarify one thing. Um, all the bulls, not just this bull, all the bulls of all the breeds get evaluated with purebred and crossbreds in the U.S. since 2007. So this is not a unique case. This is not uh, something that just happened in April. Um, this amount of information is being used consistently since 2007 onwards. And since I think 2016, 15, no, 17 maybe, uh, we started uh, adding that same logic to the genomic evaluation. So um, it's, it's not something that can change overnight, first of all. Uh, second one, the second thing, it's important to, so CDCB is a data-driven entity. So as, as Tom was mentioning, uh, we receive input from Holstein USA and from other partners of the industry. And of course, we need to investigate and see if uh, those suspects, those hypotheses are uh, scientifically sound. And if there is a problem, because sometimes it could be, uh, it's still possible that, you know, that high evaluation of this bull is correct and the animal stays so high. Uh, so of course there are there are suspects there is suspect that you know probably um, maybe the 
these large herds having similar uh, environments and in this case you know combined with the with the crossbreds are inflating the evaluation is possible uh, but we need to prove that uh, the the test that we run for this animal we excluded those herds for that animal uh, actually we run a full evaluation excluding those animals and nearly halving the amount of daughters of this bull and the the, the the net merit for the animal stayed really high it was lower of course but it was really high it was still much higher than than uh, than the rest so it's it's not yet certain what the actual uh, if there is a problem and what is the entity of the problem and what is driving that. Uh, certainly uh, the editing uh, the editing system might needs to be reviewed because that's definitely something that we do uh, periodically with all our uh, our system with all the pieces of our system uh, but again uh, before saying yeah we need to change this and we will change in August or December we first need to assess the um, the facts and and verify what the source of the variation is if there is any and once we have that then uh, come up with solutions to to an eventual problem so definitely for august i i would say first of all the target would be to have uh, that investigation done uh, as soon as possible and allocate resources and uh, come up with a with an answer with a straight answer on on whether this is a problem or not and what are the sources of that that variation. Jay, how can we help educate producers about these changes and keep them up to date? Well, I think it's it's the responsibility of everybody in the industry from uh, both breed societies, breed association levels, CDCB, NAAB, and all parties. Uh, I know that CDCB is making a concerted effort through um, <clears throat> by developing more communication. They're working with Look East and and, and developing more frequent communication and trying to get uh, communication out ahead of uh, things that are changing so that we can notify the industry, notify producers of what's coming. So in the case of all the changes that Ezekiel summarized, we had uh, produced communications that, that went out ahead of time so that everybody could kind of get their head around what was what was coming. And, and we're trying to be uh, transparent in that and, and working with the industry. So I, I think we're making good strides in that. Uh, CDCB also has their uh, connection newsletter piece. And uh, we've actually developed some joint communications that went out uh, around Cyrus Summary time as well between Holstein, uh, CDCB, and uh, NAAB. So I think it's, it's, we're working well together. We just need to continue doing that and doing it uh, more frequently, I guess. Some of the things, but some of the things like the the uh, change in the one bull, that's something that it can't be planned for, and you actually have to look at that uh, as you get close to uh, releasing that information. You know, we we've developed this multi-breed. I don't know, Tom, if that's a correct term for it, but a multi-breed model. So the evaluation system was developed with uh, a lot of input, a lot of thought, with a lot of sharp minds back at AGIL. And so the model we've got is robust and it's been working for a long time. And we have had bulls over time that have had some similar significant changes and increases, but it's just now that, you know, when you have a bull like this, that's so extreme, it, it makes people ask questions, but we don't want to, um, 
we don't think there's really an issue with the evaluation model. Uh, it's just a matter of, are there any things we can do to make it better? So we want to we want to make sure everybody still has confidence in in the in the system and the model that was created, uh, but yet it's our responsibility to always look at and evaluate: can we make it better? And as we wrap up today, what can producers expect to see in proofs moving forward? Are there any changes on the horizon? Oh yeah, always. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. One, for example, one of the uh, of the outcomes of the review that the Frequency of Evaluation Task Force um, asked for uh, recently was the, this publication and distribution policy. And while reviewing that, we realized that there was one type trait for Guernsey's, the rear leg rear view, that had not been included in the genomic distribution. So for example, that is definitely going to see uh, light in August. And uh, we are working together with our committees in um, in seeing if we can uh, if the results are valid enough to be distributed for Brown Swiss health traits. Uh, that's going to be a, a a big change for for the for the Brown Swiss breed. And uh, there's a lot of work going on with the inclusion of foreign data for uh, residual feed intake and feed saved. Uh, that's also part of a big international collaboration and both my colleagues here are involved in that uh, in the different committees and there's oh there's a lot of other projects going on and but these these three are definitely the ones more advanced that i can uh i can see more or at least closer to to implementation than the rest are probably going to we will need to to have a little bit more time to uh to see if we can make it for august or or the next ones. I was just going to add that one of the things that we see changing uh, over time is that as management systems and reproductive management programs change, um, we need to be very proactive in how we analyze the data. So with the, with the uh, increasing use of sex-sorted semen, with the increasing use of beef on dairy, uh, with the increasing use of various management practices, uh, we're always looking at how can we improve our evaluation, how can we better analyze the data, whether it's uh, fertility data, or as Ezekiel mentioned, we, we adjusted the, the, the records that were embryo transfer data. We always have to be looking at that to, to make our evaluations more accurate. Anything to wrap up today, Tom? Um, well, we had a... Uh... A recall, <laughs> and uh, so we had actually two uh, releases of our genetic evaluations one week apart, and uh, um, it, we are now recovering. So uh, I'm uh, more relaxed than I was a a week ago. But uh, um, it's really impressive how well our industry uh, reacted to the need to have a second release. So the genetic evaluations are probably more valuable than at, at uh, any time ever before. Uh, Jay had alluded to that as far as uh, uh, many uh, herds uh, incorporating the genetic information uh, much more in, intensely in their management decisions as opposed to just deciding which, which uh, bull semen to uh, buy. So there was a, a lot of uh, 
need to get out information fast, tell people that uh, we were going to have a second release, uh, organize that second release, and uh, distribute it uh, in a, a timely fashion. And uh, there are many, many different uh, parties and organizations involved. And I would say that um, it's a credit to our industry and the uh, cooperation that we have within our industry that uh, it it went as, uh, as flawlessly as it, as it did. So that there's uh, good news coming out of bad news. Exactly. Well, and certainly there's so much information to compile so producers can uh, use it, distill it, uh, and move forward. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We appreciate it. Uh, Jay, Tom, Ezekiel, thanks for all that you do. This wraps up our Bova News podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bova News on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, follow us on the various social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube page. And be sure to check out our website, bovanews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Kim Bremer. And from everyone at Bova News, have a great day. 